Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello, friend, and welcome back to Catch Up with Louise McSharry, or welcome to Catch Up with Louise McSharry if it's your first time. Hello. Uh, actually, really delighted to say that there have been a good few new um, people joining us over the last number of weeks, which honestly, like, I know I always say it, but it is such a thrill, and I'm so grateful to you for choosing to spend time with me on this podcast. Um, we've got a great one lined up for you today. Later on, you will hear me chatting to Dominic Skinner, who is a global lead makeup artist, global senior makeup artist excuse me, for Mac Cosmetics. He's also a judge on The Glow Up, which you may have seen on the BBC or indeed on Netflix. He's just so lovely. I've been lucky enough to meet him a good few times and he's just a lovely, lovely guy and I always love chatting to him. So you'll get to hear that a little bit later. We've got a lot to talk about in entertainment. Going to be chatting about thruples, suspicious friendships, cultural appropriation <laughs> oh yeah it's all happening this week um but first I just kind of wanted to mention I, I've spent a lot of time this week as I'm sure you have um or certainly lots of us have thinking about Ashing Murphy um as it was the anniversary of her death and oh I still haven't lost any of the f- the feeling that I have about the truly tragic loss of her life and just how wrong it is and how frustrating it is and how senseless it is. Um, And unfortunately, there are 15 other women on this island who have been killed since her death and violence against women doesn't really seem to be diminishing at all. I think it's a hard fact to live with as a woman. Um, And I'm sure there are lots of men who struggle with that fact as well. But, you know, there hasn't been... I don't think a week that's gone by that I haven't, you know, that most of us probably haven't had a moment where you've kind of questioned your safety or worried about it um, on, in some capacity, whether it's someone being weird on the bus or at the bus stop or, you know, walking down a quiet path or whatever it is. And it's really devastating that we are forced to live this way and that we're forced to live with the threat of violence every day of our lives. Um, you know... I think that it's hard to take any comfort, but but what I will say is bringing me comfort is the fact that I am a mother of two sons and I have started working toward building them up to be not just men who are not violent toward women, but also men who call out badness when they see it since they were born. And that means consent is a constant conversation in our house, not consent for sex, obviously, because they're three and six, but, you know, consent for touching. You know, if someone doesn't want a hug, you don't get to give them a hug. You know, you no one gets to touch your body if you don't want them to touch your body. If someone says no, that means no. Um, 
you know, Sam always wants to hug Ted. Ted never wants a hug. And it's a hard lesson for Sam to learn, but he has to learn to respect his brother's space and to respect other people's space. You're in charge of your body is what we say every day in our house. And everyone else is in charge of their body and you don't get to do anything to their body without their permission. Um, And it does bring me comfort to think that there are so many amazing mothers and fathers in this country and beyond who are also doing that work. And I do hope that the next generation of young men will be a little bit more in tune, I suppose, with appropriate behavior and, um, you know, that we can move them away from, I don't know, misogynistic views of entitlement. And I know that's hard to kind of think about in the context of the rise of people like Andrew Tate. But I think if we, you know, if we actively work against it, we can really make a difference. And I'm very excited about the fact that in the CSP curriculum, they're going to be bringing in these topics of conversation. Schools are working on it. And if we work on it as parents, I think things can improve. Um, but I just wanted to give a little mention to Ashley Murphy at the opening of the podcast today, and indeed to Sandra Boyd, Mary Bergen, Ruth Lowe's, Alison Nelson, Louise Muckle, Margaret Una Noon, Lisa Thompson, Larissa Serban, Miriam Burns, Holly Thompson, Lisa Cash, Iona Michaela Pakala, Sharon Crean, Bruna Fonesca, and Natalie McNally, all of whom were killed in this island over the last year. It's unthinkable. Now, though, let's carry on as usual and catch up with the news. Even more political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. How joyful to be with you once again. Um, how are you doing? It's cold. It is cold. It's really cold this yeah. week. Uh, yeah. I'm very sick of winter. Yes. I'm kind of over it now. I'm ready for spring. Yeah. It's just hot so dark. Girl, hot girl spring. I feel like it's dark. It's getting darker in the morning. Yeah. We're supposed to be in the grand stretch and I'm not feeling it. No, not at all. Anyway. That aside, uh, we've got lots to talk about in the world of mm-hmm. news. And let's start with what's going on with Mary Lou McDonald and Northern Ireland and a summit. Yes. Okay. So long story short, there was supposed to be a meeting yesterday of the leaders of the five main political parties in Stormont and the Foreign Secretary of Britain, James Cleverley, who had been in Brexit negotiations with Brussels and they had come to a breakthrough about sharing data to help businesses in Northern Ireland and in Britain um, mm-hmm. trade. So because this deal had gone so well, the moon music had changed in Brussels and there might be a deal with the protocol, there was supposed to be a meeting with all the leaders and the Brits to thrash out whether we could have Stormont brought back because the DUP said that they will not return until the protocol is sorted. So they invited all five political parties, um, the leaders of all the political parties, the leader of Sinn Féin that they invited was Michelle O'Neill because she they viewed her as their leader in the north. However, Mary Lou McDonald is the president of Sinn Féin and on their northern election forms, she is listed as the leader of Sinn Féin. Now, what seems to be happening is they also invited the leader of the DUP, who is not an MLA, he's an MP. The leader of the SDLP, Colin Eastwood, also an MP, not an MLA. Said was... It's because it's for people, if politicians who represent Northern Ireland, right? So that's why the MPs were allowed to come because they represent Northern Ireland. However, a big part of the Good Friday Agreement is this dual kind of citizenship, this dual identity. So they were basically saying, no, you don't represent people in the North. You're not allowed to come. So she went up to Belfast anyway. She said that she thought um, it was a mistake. I personally think maybe there was just a lot of cameras and microphones and she knew that this was a good thing to show that the Brits don't understand 
the North. So Sinn Féin boycotted and said, if Mary Lou Macdonald isn't going, Michelle's not going either. And the SDLP then said, they have like a long history of this. So like John Hume used to boycott things if Jerry Adams couldn't go. Because they're mad and the inclusion, like everyone has to be around the table. Mm -hmm. So as soon as Sinn Féin said they weren't going, the SDLP said they weren't going either. Because they were like, what is the point of having these talks to bring someone back if the biggest party isn't invited? Now, Alliance Party said that they disagreed that Mary Lou wasn't invited, but they went anyway. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of to and from, but basically what it said to me was that the British government do not understand Northern Ireland. They do not understand how this place works. They do not understand Sinn Féin's communications. And how they can use this as a bat to beat the Brits with and say, look, they haven't a clue. They don't understand us at all. Some Mary Lou seems to think they did it on purpose. It's like petulance to try and like... Yeah, I heard her say that on yeah. this morning yeah. on Morning Ireland. She was the, like, it's Tory petulance. Tory petulance. I can't do an phrase. impression of her. Gab <laughs> Riley does a really good one, actually. But um, yeah, she said she thinks they did it on purpose. All her people just think they're incredibly incompetent. Mm. I think both things can be true at the same time. Yeah. But there are more talks today. Now, um, the Taoiseach and the Tanisha, Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin, are both in Northern Ireland to meet business leaders and party leaders and Keir Starmer and the Secretary of State is also here this week. So things are happening in the North, but they are under severe pressure to get Starmer up and running because the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement is in April Mm. and it'll be very depressing and a big slap in the face to the Good Friday Agreement of Stormont's not sitting by the time it hits 25 years. Okay, we'll watch that space. Um, now, let's talk about... Oh, excuse me, a bit of drama. Um, let's talk about, and I'm using air quotes here, the protests that have been happening um, in relation to <coughs> the housing of asylum seekers in Ireland. Yeah, and I'm just aware that tomorrow morning when this comes out, there is more protests, quote-unquote, planned for tonight at six o'clock across yeah. the country, Ballymun, Island Bridge, Fermoy, Crumlin, Crumlin, um, anywhere where there seems to be people who are being held in um, international protection, um, refugee centres, uh, direct provision. Um, the far right is stoking up concerns um, in local communities around the country now, not just Dublin. And there are protests outside hotels. So the most specific one I think that we saw this week was videos emerged of a crowd of people, both local and not, outside the travel lodge in Ballymun, shouting, get them out, get them out, when there were women and children inside. Um, the Minister for Justice, Simon Harris, basically said, like, this isn't a protest anymore, this is just intimidation. There was reports this week that some of the children inside were afraid that the people outside were going to come in and shoot them. Of course there were. Of course they were. They're of course they war. were. They're fleeing war, Like, people. you know, these are people who are traumatized, largely, mm-hmm. who are now in at the center of, like, a baying, aggressive and angry mob. Mm-hmm. Like, So, like, the mayor of Dublin, actually, just coincidentally, is a girl called Caroline Connery of the Green Party, who's from Ballymun. Uh-huh. And she's been great. Like she's she was like I am from Ballymun. This is not my Ballymun. This is not the people of Ballymun. And like let's be realist. Like the government have a like previous governments and this government have blame here too because Ballymun, as everyone knows, is like they use Ballymun as an example of how yeah. not to do social housing. Yeah. How not to create a community. So Ballymun, although it's improved in recent years, this community that has been left behind by successive yeah. governments, lack of services, lack of opportunities, lack of job, lack of infrastructure, lack of public yeah. transport, I could go on and yeah. on. So there are very real concerns, but 
the concerns used to be when direct provision centers opened that you know the people inside wouldn't have access to proper facilities that's all that was pretense anyway that's all like the window now mm-hmm. they're coming with signs saying ireland is full mm-hmm. they're shouting in the windows uh of hotel rooms where there are small children inside mm-hmm. um the guardi now are going to be all over the country tonight uh, on high alert because of these protests um obviously as a journalist i am on some of the right wing um chat messages it is horrific the mm. stuff that's coming out way this is not anything to do with social housing or anything like that it is out and out racism that i am seeing i'm not saying the people who live in Ballymun are taking part in this but these are the people who are stoking it up yeah i i wrote about it this week it's in my part of my column for the irish independent which is a tomorrow if you're listening on friday on saturday that's the easier way to say it usually comes next Um, and i was also looking at some of the facebook conversations and yeah it's unbelievable to watch the same names come up over and over again in in, no matter what the the geographical location of the situation oh yeah Um, these people are from everywhere it's a miracle and they're using terms like fake ugs and you know they're talking about dirty pedos plantation is a big word that they're using it's so troubling they're also frequently using the flag of the ivory coast which is bizarre um i don't understand that one and it's it's so troubling and and what's upsetting is that as you said um what they're doing is they're taking advantage of and exploiting the fact that there are people in these areas who have very real concerns Mm -hmm. that are legitimate and you know none of us would defend the housing situation that we're in in this country you know everyone would support people who say that their area needs more resources when they glaringly do or Mm. need more help development attention education whatever it is mm-hmm. but when you when it when a far-right group decides to take advantage of people who have genuine fears and concerns for their own good then it's really toxic and the thing i also would like to say as well is there's has been a serious amount of condescension from the other side you do not get a free pass to be racist because you're working class mm. i am proudly working class and i am not racist most most working class people i know are not racist there is this this kind of sneering as well that because these people are, are from social housing or whatever like we shouldn't expect any better that's total bullshit don't buy into it at all yeah. um and there's also a reason i would point out that these center these centers are in clondalkin tala ballymon they are not in blackrock fox rock any of those places so there is obviously an issue there's obviously a class divide mm. stop calling the protest if you're shouting at kids yeah I that's agree. not a protest that's intimidation it has to be said um just by way of encouragement that there have been counter protests and mm-hmm. lots of movements happening around the country in these places as well by local people who want to welcome and provide for exactly. the people who've arrived in difficult circumstances so it's it's not all bad but it is something that is very concerning um okay in other uh, less serious well i suppose very serious for some people but <laughs> you know bad news is uh, the price of a pint is going up, a pint of Guinness, and the price of a stamp is going oh, up. I don't care about the stamp, but how, how can pints go up? Like we, I don't know, I'm talking in a very Dublin-centric podcast, but like how can prices of pints go up any further in Dublin? Jesus Christ, it's so expensive. So Diageo said that significant inflation um, in input costs, and uh, we're behind the announcement that it will be a 12% increase excluding VAT in the price of draft beer from the 1st of February so after tax 15% it's 
going up 15 percent. so that's guinness smithix rockshore harp harp house 13 and carol's work i'm sure not no one's arched about carol's work so <laughs> the average right the average price of a pint will be over 530 according to the cso and then obviously uh in dublin it's way more than that now anyway yeah um so yeah it's just inflation hitting everyone uh, Heineken said that they were going up 17% in November. Mm. Um, and then Diageo, in what is very good but very tricky marketing, said last year that their prices wouldn't go up before the end of 2022. And on the 10th of January, yeah, <laughs> they announced that they would. But this is just something that you see uh, and you will continue to see until, I was going to say, global inflation and the war in Ukraine stops. And, yeah. Yeah. I know it's so frustrating and this is the thing is that you can't really fight because or in a way like you can be frustrated of course you Mm. can but like the reality is everything is more expensive and so it's understandable that places would have to put their their prices up yeah but the tragedy is that people aren't earning anymore yeah you just think about logically like Guinness has to be delivered petrol is more expensive exactly yeah Mm. okay anyway um okay let's talk about Enoch Burke I'm I'm a bit confused now about what's going on because he was released from prison. I would like them to put me in mind joy so I wouldn't have to hear about Enoch Burke ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, lock me up, Garda. <laughs> so we we know the story of Enoch Burke at this stage. Obviously, he is a teacher at was a teacher is a teacher a suspended, suspended teacher at Wilson's Hope Hospital, um, a school in um, private school. Yeah, private school in Dublin. Dublin, me? No, me. Meath, sorry. And he was informed that there was a student in the school who wanted to use they, them pronouns and... A child that he did not teach. Yeah. And he refused, pro- protest, refused protested this, acted in a very inappropriate manner at school functions and therefore was suspended and then refused to stay away from the school. The school got an injunction. He still refused to stay away from the school. He went to Mount Joy because he refused to stay away from the school. He was released from Mount Joy and now he's still refusing to stay away from the school. He goes but, in every day and sits in the corridor and the principal guards him. But I'm very confused because why is he, why is this... Like, I, I heard these reports that, like, yeah, he's still going to the school, but now the guards are like, this is a civil, a civil matter. matter. So what does that mean? I'm confused. It means that there's no criminal element to it anymore. Um, and Why it is... anymore? So Enoch was, God love him, released from Mount Joy before Christmas without purging his contempt. So he wasn't in jail because of not calling uh, the child day. He was in jail because there was a court order. He was in contempt of court. However, the judge at the time said that we'll just release him from prison. He said that it was one of those rare cases where a coercive imprisonment should stop. But he did say that the school could come back to court if he keeps turning up. But the school have decided not to go back to court because they want to have the disciplinary. Okay, so that's why he's out of jail. That makes sense. It's a civil matter now and that's why he was back in court this week. So the way it works is... The school couldn't fully suspend him or sack him until they had a disciplinary hearing. They couldn't have a disciplinary hearing because he was in prison and it was a criminal matter. Now he's been... The, okay. the court order has been... Uh, it's still in place. And he... Now he goes back to the school every day, even though he's been told to stay away. Right? So he sits in the corridor, not talking to anyone, and the principal guards him so he can go where his dad sits in the car outside and waits for him and drives him there and drives him home. So this week, 
the school wanted to um sorry so the school wanted to have their disciplinary enoch burke school just want this to be over yeah, i'm sure the, so enoch burke now <laughs> applied to the court to prevent the school from continuing the disciplinary process against him so he's going for an injunction uh which could result in his dismissal um if this goes ahead so he's looking for an injunction his sister <laughs> they all have really really um like old testament religious names so his sister amy amy and martina his mother strongly criticized the judge and basically this whole rise started in the middle of the courtroom and um, the report said that the burks became animated after mr burke expressed his concern that the court was not going to sit to hear the case he said his application was urgent and that he said that he had crucial evidence. He said the disciplinary is procedurally flawed, that a lie was allegedly told in a statement. And he said, you know, this could completely ruin his life. He contradicts the minutes of the meetings. And then <laughs> the court report is really funny. I was reading from it. It says, in what was a heated exchange, Mr. Burke's sister, Amy, who's assisting her brother in the proceedings, and their mother, Martina, also voiced their criticisms of the judge and asked him repeatedly, where were the consequences for lying under oath? What, do, the, what does it, what? Then they accused the judge of running off. Honest to God, like, the thing that bothers me more now is, like, he is absolutely loving this. Mm. Um, he spent over 100 days in prison. He's now become this, like, poster boy of people who... Um, transphobic people. Transphobic people. Um, he, the school is under constant harassment. Teachers of the school, there's press, there's Garda outside every day when the kids are coming and going. Yeah, and like imagine being that student, seeing those reports on RTE and seeing those reports in the paper, and um, it's just oh, it's beyond, it's beyond yeah. all comprehension. Anyway, so it's um, been adjourned for the week. Okay, now on to another charmer, Andrew Tate. Um, what's going on with he was trying to appeal, um, yeah, the charges that have are coming so, for him yeah he lost his appeal so a court in Romania upheld the 30 day arrest of Andrew Tate and his brother for organised crime human trafficking and rape um, they said that he is a danger and they would not be letting him out um, his <laughs> his solicitor at one point trying to argue that Andrew Tate was a character that this isn't really him. It's a it's a social media character that he's playing. The solicitor was given off saying that the court hearing was a very long day, that his uh, defendants, which is Andrew Tate and his brother Tristan, were not able to defend themselves, um, and he'll be kept. Uh, they will be kept in a Romanian prison. Um, Vice has a story out today. Um, it won't be for everyone to read, but in 2013, a British woman came went to police in england with uh whatsapp voice notes and screenshots of messages in which andrew tate admitted um to sexually assaulting her mm. and they she took it to the police the police believed her they sent it to the crown prosecution service and they chose not to press charges against andrew tate and that was in 2013 now we're in 2022 and he's in prison on romania in romania for human trafficking charges i think that's one of the things that's like the most troubling about this whole thing is that like nobody didn't like everybody who was paying attention knew you, 
you hiding know, in plain sight. Yeah, and still he's a hero to loads of young men. And I think that was interesting this week. We There were several papers mm-hmm. and radio stations and stuff that kind of reported on teachers and youth workers speaking about their experience of Andrew Tate's influence on young men and boys. Yeah. Um, I know Danielle McKenna, who's a youth project manager in Rialto, spoke to News Talk and said that she had seen influence on boys well, she said that he he was con- his content was conditioning boys as young as seven. Oh, Jesus. She said, we are concerned about the current state of masculinity that we see boys and young men facing at the moment. Um, and she said, actually, masculinity in itself is a very beautiful thing that people should embrace. But there are themes within it that can hold issues for boys, young men and men. And when we're thinking about that, the themes that we really look at are around power, dominance, the suppression of vulnerability and the suppression of anything feminine. When boys and young men are displaying those types of behavior... That is when masculinity can become very problematic. And when you have people like Andrew Tate and this idea of you have to be strong, you can't show weakness, you have Mm. to hold power and dominance, particularly over women and young women. And they have platforms of social media where they can have millions of viewers. We have a very serious issues that bring equality back 70, 80 or 90 years. And that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, I think... This is the best possible outcome. The best possible outcome is that people see that this is not you know, just a social media character. No. This is not just things that you say that don't have any real meaning. The teenage boys can turn around and say, yeah, but he doesn't really mean that. He's not really doing those things. He's he in is. jail now in Romania <laughs> for human trafficking. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you're right. Because obviously so, we so all... at least we can show people the real world consequences yeah. of what happens when you ignore this type of toxic yeah. bullshit. And also, you, you're right. You can say to your kids, this is a categorically a bad guy. Yeah. Like he's a bad no guy. two ways he's about a bad it. Guy. And there's charges to prove that he's a bad guy. Exactly. There are screenshots that were given to police in 2013 to say he's a bad guy. Yeah, this yeah. isn't you know just him shiting on on TikTok. Yeah, I the la- the last we hear of him will be the best day. I know. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Well, Aoife, thank you so much. That's Aoife Moore, political correspondent at the Sunday Times Ireland. We will talk next week. Now, Dominic Skinner is a global senior artist for MAC Cosmetics and a judge on BBC's The Glow Up, where he demonstrates his passion and knowledge for makeup with aplomb. This week, I had the chance to chat to him about his career and where we might be going wrong with our makeup. I hope you enjoy. So Dom, it is always a pleasure to talk to you. I am fortunate enough to have met you a few times at this stage. And I think I'm pretty sure I've told you before that when I was a teenager, my dream was basically to be you. (laughs) I didn't know you at the time, but you have the job that I thought was just like the best job you could possibly have. Oh, thanks. Do you feel like you're living the dream? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's, I, I, I say, I say the same. I, I feel like I'm really you know, I've got the best job in the world, cup of tea, but it's a job that, well, actually, it's a job that I never really thought, like, it never, it wasn't like, you know, 14-year-old me decides I'm going to be a makeup artist. I did kind of stumble into being a makeup artist, but I think um, it's, it kind of fulfills everything that I would ever really want mm. out of a job. Um, and I, 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 I think that's the, that's really what you want to look for when you when you're trying to when you're trying to figure out life and you're trying to figure out where you're going to go in, in life yeah. and what are you going to do for a career you you really want to look for fulfillment yeah so whatever you um whatever you get a buzz out of that's really what you should try and do i remember someone telling me 
you know, because I was talking about work a lot. I was talking about sort of, you know, makeup and, you know, fashion week and blah, blah, blah. And someone said, you know, you know what you need? You need a hobby because you talk about work too much. You need something to distract you from, from work. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe I need, you know, I'll take up knitting or something. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, after after about sort of a couple of days of thinking, I was like, actually, no, I, I'm doing my, I'm, I'm getting paid to do my hobby. Yeah. Like, I don't need a hobby because I'm, I'm doing my hobby. Like, don't tell anyone, but I would probably do it for free. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, that's the that's whole the thing. thing. Yeah, choose choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I really don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, even when I'm trying to work, um, people would probably say I barely do anything. <laughs> but uh, but no, I do. I, I, I really am. I'm very lucky. I'm very, I, I always feel very lucky. I feel very fortunate. Saying that, it's come with a lot of hard work. It's come with a mm. lot of dedication. It's come with a lot of, you know, sometimes, um, you know, you have to you know sacrifice a few things along the way mm. but those those sort of you know sacrifices have have led to incredible opportunities and i i generally just can't sort of pinch myself enough to think like oh my god what am i doing like how mm. how did this happen like i again it's you know getting the question of what you know I want to do what you're doing. How do, how do I get to be where you are? So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. It just, it just making decisions and, you know, doing things as you go. And suddenly this happens. It's, mm. um, it's very much a sliding doors life. Well, I mean, obviously you're a judge on the glow up on the BBC, which I think we can watch now on Netflix or yes. certainly it's all over the world. I see people talking about the show on TikTok everywhere. And through that, you meet a lot of young artists, obviously. Um, and you must get that question a lot. Like, do you enjoy working with the younger artists who are kind of developing their kind of, I suppose, skill and uh, creative interests? Yeah. I mean, yes. That's the simple. <laughs> that's the simple answer. Yes, um, the the idea of mentoring young people, um, be it you know pro- primarily within makeup, but you know sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just sort of you know using life experience to sort of help uh, young people sort of work out where they're going themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been very lucky working. You know, because I work for Mac Cosmetics, so. Mm within Mac Cosmetics, we, we do a lot of sort of, uh, you know, mentoring and education and passing on, you know, passing on information Mm. and that sort of skill development and, you know, life, uh, development within, within Mac certainly made working on Glow Up a real, you know, it was, it was exactly the same situation. Yeah, you know, natural we're, we're, fit, it was yeah. a natural flow mm. from one to the other. Mm. So the, this idea, cause the, the makeup world can be very closed. It can be very sort of shut, shut, you know, uh, shut, shut out, shut out. Is that the right thing? Closed shop. Uh, closed. Yeah. Something like basically the doors <laughs> are shut <laughs> and you know, it's very difficult sometimes to sort of not just sort of get the door open, but actually get the door open and get the information you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. And that's what I found when I first started. And I always remember thinking like, I would never not like pass that information on. Mm. It's like, why would it be secret for me? Mm. Like, what's the benefit? Mm. You know, I'm, I'm very comfortable in myself to know that actually, you know, I'm not the best makeup artist in the world, but what I am is, you know, this, that, and the other, I'm going to share what I've learned. Yeah. Because if, 
if someone who is more talented than me gets that information, then, oh my God, think of the amazing things they'll do. So, you know, that sort of concept of, of sharing information has always been sort of part and parcel of, of what I do. But, you know, working on a show like Glow Up, you know, getting this young talent, this young, fresh talent, that they've got that raw ability. They just don't have the direction mm. or the sort of, maybe the eye to sort of work out how they can get their ideas out better, stronger, sharper, mm. uh, quicker mm. in a lot of cases. <laughs> um, you know, that that sort of information I think is really vital. Mm. Um, and, and so working with young people, I just, I love it. It's really it's really rewarding you mentioned earlier um fashion week working at fashion week and obviously you've done that countless times um i think that fashion week is one of those things that people feel like people just are desperate to kind of know what's it really like like what's it like to be backstage at a fashion show what's it like when you know we see like video footage of like all the models getting ready all the artists like what do people not know that you think they'd love to know about the reality of being backstage at a fashion week (laughs) Oh my god, where do we start? Okay. Uh what would people love to know that they don't? There's a lot of sitting around. Okay. There's a lot of sitting around. So you have to uh you have to learn to sort of sit you it, well, there's a lot of sitting around and then all of a sudden you are just bombarded by things you have to do. So you have to be able to, you know, uh adjust your 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 rhythm mm-hmm. you know from one minute just sitting there eating haribo to the next minute sort of working on three models with four people and mm. you know running around all over the place and you know so it is very you have to be really agile and and that is not for everyone like i know some amazing artists that absolutely hate fashion week because of the chaos right. that ensues. And is there as much drama as we kind of think there is? Like, is there as much like models turning up with, I don't know, they've suddenly shaved their head or like they, yeah. you know, or have tattooed their face or. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe not going as far as tattooing faces, but yeah, there, there, I think the thing is that, you know what I've always said? If there were, if there was a, if there was a, a like a makeup salon on the Titanic, that shit would not have gone down because you know what? Us makeup artists, we are problem solvers. <laughs> we would have patched up that hole. We would have got to New York and everyone would have been happy because it's that sort of idea that y- you are a problem solver. You have to think on your feet mm. and it is, you've got to be quick. You've got to mm-hmm. be, sort of thinking almost two three steps ahead Mm. and you preempt the drama and so a lot of the time the drama doesn't actually happen because you have swooped in solved the problem before anyone's realized right or you know before it's even become a thing you like you've 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 tamed the beast okay um you know that that's the whole point of being a, a makeup artist you've got a look that you need to do but you've got a face that maybe doesn't necessarily fit it and you've got a figure it out right and there's no one to ask you just have to do it you have to learn you have to know what what you're doing so it is that sort of uh yeah problem solving that's that's the biggest thing well speaking of problem solving let's talk about normal women um and other people who wear makeup makeup wearers in general people who um are not maybe models and who are doing their own makeup Uh, The question that I always want to ask when I meet someone who's like you and like highly skilled, I'm like, what are the mistakes that you see people making that they can fix that you'd love to be like, just stop doing this? Oh, right. Where do we start? (laughs) No, no. You know what? I think 
the one thing that I love, I love watching people do makeup. I mean, I'm very lucky. I have been able to watch the best makeup artists in the world do makeup. Mm. Um, that sometimes also comes with problems because you're thinking, they're going, what are they doing? Um, but I love just watching people do makeup in general. And yeah. I think there's, as a makeup artist, I learn a lot from watching real women mm. doing makeup. You because, learn. Yeah, because, you know, you know, real people don't have a team of, of you know, a glam squad to, to sort of, you know, make them look good. They, they, they're doing it on their own. In that five minutes they have between kids screaming at them, husbands yeah. demanding stuff, parents phoning them about something and neighbours knocking on the door. You know, those, those are the sort of the, the, the quick wins that I love to learn and mm. I kind of, you know... Uh, squirrel away in the back of my brain um but there are things that i think you know uh people should consider yes this is very diplomatic i love it consider when doing their own makeup i think the biggest thing to consider is actually it's makeup is not a band-aid it's not about slapping something on to 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 cover something yeah because you're not dealing with a problem and actually what you need to do is work backwards and work out the the cause like what what are you why are you putting foundation on what is the point of the foundation what is what is the what is the thing you're trying to do mm. with the foundation that actually is it something that starts from way back is it a skincare thing mm. as a makeup artist i use probably 50% skincare to 50% makeup mm. because Skin prep, skincare, skin conditioning mm. creates a much better skin, mm-hmm. which means you need less makeup, okay. which means you have less cracking, okay. less to move, less to shift, left to set, and it's it will last a whole lot longer. Okay, Dom and I have actually just had lunch and we've been talking about Mac's new um, skincare products, which is that if you use the right products under your makeup, your makeup will look better, last better, yeah. be better. And the, and that's the crazy thing. It's like, because everyone thinks, oh, skincare, I'm going to go to a skincare brand. But actually what you want to do is you want to go to a makeup brand. If you wear makeup, skincare from a makeup brand is going to support the makeup you then wear. Whereas a skincare brand is thinking of the skin and the skincare. And it's not thinking of what then goes on top, which is why most people get skincare from a skincare brand and then find that their foundation doesn't sit right or it slips off or the concealer creases or whatever. So so these are things that you see. That's what I see. Cracks, concealer, yeah. yeah. So, you know, the, the MAC Hyperreal skincare line is incredible because Mm. it's high-end skincare so you're getting incredible ingredients and incredible skin conditioning ingredients that will instantly create the most beautiful base the most beautiful skin Mm. but over time creates a much more even flawless skin which then needs less makeup right but you're not sitting around for 20 minutes for the thing to dry yeah you know Within within seconds, it's in the skin, ready for makeup. Yeah, and you can just go straight in with your foundation, concealer, your powder, yeah. whatever you want to do. But the the conditioning element is where it's all at. So, right, whatever you're doing, start with skincare. Okay, and then the rest of the journey will be a, an absolute breeze. Are there any trends that you can't stand? 
Like I remember <laughs> speaking to a makeup artist a few years ago and at the time everybody was doing like the highlighter at the end of the nose. And I know yeah. that's the thing that lots of people do now. And she was like, I hate it. Yeah. Is there anything like that that you're just like, Why? You know what? You know what? I, 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 again, trying to be diplomatic. I don't think it's a makeup artist's place mm. to say what's hot or what's not. Right. Because the whole point of makeup is that it's individual to the wearer. Yeah. So who am I to turn around and say, you know, or that colored lipstick doesn't suit you. That's not my job. My job is not to dictate what you should and shouldn't do. My job is to help you get to where you want to go. Right. So you know what? If you want to wear highlighter on the end of your nose, you wear highlighter on the end of the nose. I'm just going to help you show you what highlighter would right. be best. I love you know, that. Because, you know, that's that's the whole point of makeup. It's about, you know, I always talk about, um, <laughs> so my my personal motto, or not motto, it's kind of like my, my thing, is that, you know, I wear colorful clothes. I wear, you know, I've got a big old tash on my face. Most of the time my brows are pink, uh, you know, because like the outer shell of me is not what's on the inside. On the outer shell, I always describe myself as like, the outer shell is a bit like Milton Keynes. <laughs> it's a bit, I mean, it's fine, you know, <laughs> and to some people it's attractive. <laughs> But to the majority of people, it's just fine. <laughs> but on the inside, I'm like Disneyland. Right. So I want to dress myself how I feel on the inside. And yeah. that's what makeup is. Makeup is an extension of how you feel on the inside. So, you know, if you want to wear that, you know, green eyeshadow with orange mascara you do that yeah and you enjoy it yeah and don't you listen to anyone else oh i love that that's at the root of like you know i write obviously you know i write about beauty and that's yeah. at the root of everything that i write as well because you know really it's about self-expression as you say yeah. and you know people should do whatever they want so it's making you happy who yeah. cares yeah it's just you know what there's a there's a quote my one of my favorite people of all time iris atfall mm. she's like 101 she's this sort of style icon style icon new york sort of goddess i just absolutely love her me too and she always says that you know when she was younger someone said to her you know you're not pretty and she was a bit sort of taken back by it and he said but that doesn't matter because you've got style yes and it's like that's what you need it, you know beauty is in the eye of, eye of the beholder you know we all know that mm. you know who, someone who's good looking to someone is not necessarily good looking to someone else but you know what you can't take away is is personal style personal taste yeah. and i would rather walk down the street yeah maybe i might get i might get a snigger from someone because you know i'm just wearing a slightly colorful overly colorful top but you know what i've made i put a smile on that person's face and i'm fine with that yeah that's fine i, I don't care that. You know, and that's that's the thing about about makeup is it is a personal expression. Mm. And, you know, what's interesting is makeup is something you apply to your face that you never see. You don't see it. You will never see it the way someone's looking at you. You see it in a mirror. Yeah. But you're seeing the, a reflection. Yeah. You're not seeing exactly what it looks like. So really, you're painting your face the way you want to be seen by the world. And that's where it should end. And that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dom Skinner. You absolute icon. Oh, pleasure. Uh, it's Let's been it a again. pleasure. Yes, for get sure. Tea and cake. Always. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This week, the world of entertainment presented us with some truly um, strange and unusual stories, things that you would not have predicted or expected. And there was so much to discuss with Cassie Delaney. Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Podcast. It is such a joy to be back with you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Me and Cassie have just had a lengthy conversation about everything that's wrong in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> what a question. No, I'm perfect, 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 perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, I have to say I am, uh, no matter what is going on in our lives, I am authentically delighted to be here to chat about these stories because the stories this week are wild. Absolutely like, wild. I don't think the celebs are okay. Like there's a lot of very strange stuff going on and some excitingly unusual stuff as well. Let's start with the actually the probably the most boring story, which is the Golden Globes happened and um, Banshees of Inna Sharon. I now Inna know Sharon. it is because I saw the film, uh, won a few Globes. Colin Farrell was charming as always. Yeah, I mean, look, these things are never about the awards. Like big winners were Banshees of Inna Sharon, um, The Fablemans, House of Dragons, Abbott Elementary, The White Lotus, right? Who cares? But <laughs> the important thing was how people behave at the yes. awards. Like we're looking for the next slap. We're looking for the slap 2K23. But um, what we got was like a pretty banal award yeah. ceremony. Like, yeah, Colin Farrell's speech was cute. He's, he loves Brendan. You know, he was really nice to all his Irish castmates. I think there's just something about when we see Irish people abroad, we're like, yeah. yes, that's us. We've yeah. done that. We've won the Golden Globe. Um, I want to thank Peter Chernin. I want to thank Graham Broadbell from um, Blueprint. Matthew Greenfield and uh, David Greenbaum from Searchlight, so many people, Fox Films. Martin McDonough, I owe you so much, man. 14 years ago, you put me working with Brendan Gleeson, my dance partner, and you changed the trajectory of my life forever in ways that I begrudgingly will be grateful to you for the rest of my days. Um, to work on this film, I, I never expect films to work or to find an audience, and when they do, it's shocking to me, and so I'm so horrified by what's happened around Banshees over the last couple of months in a thrilling kind of way. Um, Brendan, I just, I love you so much. 
I love you so much. To get to, to cohabitate this creative space with you every day, all I did when I came to work every day was aspire to be your equal. I'm not saying I even got there, but the aspiration kept me going. And I thank you for that for the rest of my days also. Kerry, to finally see the world after 20 years of acting, you can forget that piano, to finally see the world after 20 years of acting, find your work now, you're extraordinary. Barry, when you're sharing a house with an actor you're working with, a word of advice, Barry, don't eat his crunchy nut cornflakes and leave him with no breakfast in the morning. Okay, you should never send a man to work on an empty belly. I want to thank Sheila Flitton who played our band, She. I want to thank the cast and the crew and the locals of Inishmore and Ackle Island that brought us in and there was lines blurred between all of us so that we were just one big family for the betterment of all of our souls on that experience. And uh, lastly, Jenny the donkey, who is, yeah, yeah, Jenny. And she's having a, an early retirement because she's film business, you're welcome to it. I'm one and done, so she's gone. And my kids at home who are watching this, James and Henry, the loves of my life, I love you so much. And thanks, uh, Hollywood Foreign Press. All the best, Eddie. We had Millie Alcock drunk on stage, which was iconic from House of Dragon. She was just too giddy and too tipsy. Love it. Um, Mike White gave a great accepting, accepting speech for White Lotus, saying, I know you all passed on this, you all passed on this show, so it's very gratifying to have this moment. <laughs> which I was like, yes, that yeah. is. Um, and then, of course, everyone's queen, Jennifer Coolidge. Oh. Her speech was fantastic. Her neighbors are speaking to her. She's popular now. She's <laughs> she was like, seriously, they were having parties and no, they were not inviting me. <laughs> yeah. And now she's getting invited. Um, and just how how the White Lotus has changed her career and changed her life and has kind of a, a cute little, you know, I have such big dreams and expectations as a younger person, but they sort of fizzle. Um, talking about how she wanted to be the queen of Monaco. Um, so that was really sweet yeah. to kind of see someone acknowledge that she has this kind of resurgence and this renaissance of her career because of the White Lotus. And actually back, I've seen an interview with her where she credits Ariana Grande as um yeah as a real as a real turning point in her career when she did that impression of her and then she ended up yeah. in the Thank You Next. Was it Thank You Next video? Yeah, I think so. So Jennifer Coolidge was in, so the thing about Jennifer Coolidge is, and I saw um, a clever gay man saying something along these lines on Twitter this morning, is that like, there's kind of a suggestion that she like never really had her moment. And he's like, actually, every moment she ever had was her moment mm. because she's never been less than incredible in any role she's ever played. And that's true. Stifler's mom, like obviously Paulette in Legally Blonde, like, and then Best in Show, this unbelievable film that's mm -hmm. like a mockumentary about people who have um, competitive dogs in dog shows. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It is so silly and fun. And she plays the partner of Jane Lynch and they have competitive dogs. And she's this like kind of quietly seething, um, very glamorous woman. Sounds ideal. It's so good. Um, and Ariana Grande and her friend Liz, mm, Gellies is not her name, but like she has, Ariana Grande has this friend who's an actor. Mm -hmm. And together during COVID, they made these sketches where they just acted out scenes from Best in Show as this couple and Ariana Grande played Jennifer Coolidge's role and brilliantly and I think she's right it did bring attention to her mm. and and give her like a little bit of fresh relevance but like I mean Mike White really has gave her the role that has changed like it was just it was per but like the thing about her is some of the most quotable pop culture moments like I've never taken any dance lessons <laughs> like they are all, all Jennifer Coolidge lines like from that like 
cameo in Friends to even yeah. even um she's the stepmom in a Cinderella story yes, yeah. you know like all these great lines you're not that smart and you're not that pretty like oh. she's she's just brilliant so I'm glad that she's getting the recognition and that she's being invited to parties on the hill me too she should be invited to every party I'd love to have a party with her me too actually I think she might be going on my dream dinner party I oh my like, god what are they yeah. called dinner party. Jennifer Coolidge and Dolly, Dolly Parton yeah, together stunning I mean what a combo um okay next we can't possibly not talk about Prince Harry I will say I'm reaching my my end point I think it was not long ago that I sat here with you and said that I would watch it forever infinite hours of Harry mm. and Meghan and I think I've actually re- I've nearly reached saturation point it's incredible because I have no interest in Harry and I know everything about him yeah. now I know that he had a frostbitten penis mm-hmm. I know that he lost his virginity to a mysterious older woman in a field behind a Mm-hmm. Uh, pub who then smacked mm-hmm. his rump mm-hmm. um, I know that he's peed his pants before his first date with Meghan Markle like I have all of this unnecessary knowledge at yeah. a time where I need to preserve the last brain cells I have for important things yeah, yeah um, he's just he's just won't stop I think the only way to summarize this I saw this in a tweet Fair play to Prince Harry, getting paid 20 million to share the kind of stories I tell strangers for free in the smoking area after one shot of Sambuca. <laughs> like, that is it. He just cannot stop talking about no. things. Now, in fairness, he's on the promo trail. He's obviously been put out to do interviews left, right and centre because he's trying to sell his book. And I get that. But like, yeah, time to take a little step back. Now, I, I think, think the book isn't doing as well as they anticipated. I mean, there was one report that they kind of bookshops had opened at 6am to anticipate these queues. And there was one lone person who yeah. said, I love Harry and I don't care what that anyone thinks about me now. I um, saw that, but I, th- I, from what I've read, I think it's doing quite well because I saw, I saw someone um, tweet something about like, you know, like actual writers looking at Harry's book sales and just like banging their head against the wall. Like I think it's doing, but I think people just don't buy books that way anymore, do they? No, they not, the, not the queuing up at 6am. No. Like there's definitely a lot of Amazon sales. I think it's done 400 million in the first week, which obviously is absolutely incredible. But the reports, the reviews, the excerpts that are coming out of it are just so incredibly entertaining. Now there was probably one bit that's worth mentioning. And that is when he's on the book tour uh, when he was talking to Stephen Colburn the other night, the one part is getting a lot of backlash and it is not where he quotes the Spice Girls. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> wanna be. I love that. It's where he's talking about his time as um, a soldier in Afghanistan. Yeah. And he talks about... Um, he talks about that on his second tour, he as a, as a co-pilot and gunner, he killed 25 Taliban militants feeling neither satisfaction nor shame. Mm. And a lot of people have come out and been like, that has, that's really breaking a code of conduct amongst soldiers. It's really strange. Um, and it, it puts, it puts you in jeopardy. Like it puts you in danger and it puts the people around you in danger. And Harry has come out and said, well, he kind of did that so that he breaks down the stigma of, of vets and that he, um, in a plan really to sort of reduce, improve mental health around it, talk openly about yeah. it and, and hopefully reduce suicide. So I do think that like he's raised a lot of awareness around that, but I, maybe it's slightly out of place in a book where he's also, you know, 
quoting wannabe and well i talking think, about doing mushrooms in courtney cox's house like i haven't read the book yet and i'm i am planning i think i'm gonna listen to the audiobook and i will um but what he seemed to kind of suggest and stephen colbert in fairness said that he agreed that like the context was you know that basically because loads of lines from the book have been taken out mm. of context it, they did they seemed callous or like yeah. inappropriate and he said that one in particular was like one that really troubled him because it, he said he was very considered in the way that he wrote about it and even in his decision to write about it at all and he said you know basically it was he said he wanted to prevent suicides as the words that he used yeah. um because obviously you know i think if if that's part of your work if killing people is part of your work as it is for many people who are in the military um i can see that that could really mess you up and, oh, completely you know maybe knowing that's someone, someone else, else did it maybe that would offer you some comfort i don't know mm. i don't know how people get over that kind of work if you want to call it that and um, I think it must be very very difficult he has lived a very interesting life I think my favorite is thinking that Courtney Cox's bin was talking to him in his bathroom I mean we've all been there mm. <laughs> who amongst us hasn't chatted to Courtney Cox's bin in the bathroom? Mean, certainly you and I have obviously okay let's move on this is my favorite story of the week um Una Healy is apparently in a thruple with David Hay and Sean Osborne. Now, I did not know who Sean Osborne or David Hay were before this incident. Not a clue, but aren't they gorgeous, gorgeous people? people. Absolutely. Absolutely stunning. I had seen David Hay's face before. He's a boxer, right? Or he was a yeah, boxer. Yeah, he was a boxer. And Sean is a, a model. Um, absolutely gorgeous looking couple. So the story goes, according to tabloids, that David and Shan, Shin, Shan, Shan, I think. Yeah. Have been together for some time. They hopped on Raya. I mean, I wouldn't possibly know as someone who's been in a long-term relationship and not a celebrity, but isn't Raya (laughs) this like very elitist dating app? Yes. I know someone who's on it. She said it's crop. Good. That is that in is, Ireland. That apparently. is good. Yeah, that in is, Ireland, she's like, "There's nobody on there." Okay, great. That has filled me with yeah, joy because, um, yeah. Um, so they were on that to find a third, uh-huh. and I just of all the people to answer a request to be the additional person in a relationship, I did not think we would see this from Una Healy. Mm. Like I thought she was down in Thurless with her kids and just living her little life and popping up to RT every now and then. I couldn't be happier for her. Absolutely. Now, I thought initially when I looked at this, I was like, okay, she has just joined. They're in like ethical non-monogamy with David, which is interesting because I was looking up this. The term ethical non-monogamy has risen and Google searches by about 120% in the last year. Mm. So like, I feel like monogamy is this thing that people are starting to unpack and play with now and be like, where does it come from? Why do we do it? Do we still have to, you know, do we still have to abide by all these old social norms? Um, Una Healy certainly doesn't. So she posted a picture of the three of them holding hands. Now it's Una David Shan holding hands that made me feel like it was just an ethical non-monogamous situation where they were both aware that David had two partners but it does seem that they're a proper little triple from reports that Sean and David went together to look for a third person to join the relationship I cannot believe I know we're talking about Una Healy in this context I know it's wild and there are reports that Una has told her family and friends and 
she, you know, she has said, or sorry, David posted and said, if a picture says a thousand words, this is a photo of the three of them arm in arm in a swim pool. If a picture says a thousand words and this one says exactly what it needs to, I started January 1st with the correct energy, surrounding myself with understanding, beautiful human beings who do not judge, but instead accept me for my authentic self. So yeah, apparently Una's told her pals, yeah, told her I mean, she posted and she said, I've started 2023 in a comfortable place, feeling genuinely happy and at peace. Here's to this year being ours with the hand holding pit. Yeah. So, and like, there's been no denial, right? No. Because when I first saw this, I was like, nah, no way. Yeah. I was like, this, this is this something is, that's going to be shot down. This is going to yeah. be 20 But now hours. I'm like, no, I think, I think this is real because there hasn't been a denial. And I think it's great. Like, you know, I think people should do whatever makes them happy. They're not hurting anybody. Exactly. And this other, whole idea of seems. ethical non-monogamy or like being ethically polyamorous. polyamorous is brilliant because it takes like, like how many people have affairs? Like it takes it all out of the woodwork and brings it all to light. Yeah. And people get less hurt when there's trust and open and honesty and fair play. Why be in love with one person when you can be in love with two? Exactly. Especially... If one of them is Una Healy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good for you, Una Healy. Uh, go on Thurlis and um, up Tipperary. I do um, look forward to like the paparazzi shots of her down now outside a centre or somewhere spotted with David and Sean getting chicken fillet yeah. rolls or whatever they're going to do. I'd like to see that. I would be, I am interested to kind of know how the conversations with the kids go, you know? That would be the thing that I think would be a bit tricky. Um but the kids are so resilient. No, I say I having had no kids, like they accept things. I agree. But I think what I would be worried about is things like, you know, maybe comments that other people might make or mm. comments that people might, their friends might make or that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, but anyway, look, I say good for them. Everybody should do what, what makes them happy as long as they're not hurting anybody. Um, now this is... I just I just need to talk to someone about this. So this is kind of an indulgence on mm-hmm. my part. I need to talk about what is going on with Selena Gomez, Brooklyn Beckham and uh, Nicola Peltz Beckham. Just so strange, isn't it? So this little friendship has kind of come out of nowhere because we know Selena wasn't at their wedding. Yeah. So it seems to have something that's emerged from the last couple of months. The reason it's kind of odd is because both of the girls dated Justin Bieber. And that's, I mean you Fine, wouldn't we're think all grown ups, all grown ups yeah. whatever there's no reason for women to be pitted against women um but it just seems like it's all going it's moving very very quickly they have matching angel tattoos um they're hosting little sleepovers together and selena was joking about like yeah hey we're a thruple here we go here's the three of us together yeah all the time it is just i mean it's cute. It's just, where has it come from? It's just because it's come out of nowhere. Exactly. It's like they've gone from like n- no one knowing that they're friends to all of a sudden it's like nonstop on social media. This is my best, it's best, best friend. It's not the friendship. Yeah. It's the performance of the friendship that yeah. I'm fascinated by because it feels like pure. Like it feels like a like promo for something. But what? I don't Could know. Could possibly be? I don't I saw someone saying, oh, maybe she's, because Selena obviously has rare beauty, which I, you know incredibly successful beauty range and someone was like oh maybe Nicola's gonna do a collab and I was like one no two no and three no because Nicola is not known for beauty she's not that yeah. famous independently as yeah from Brooklyn Beckham's wife like and and rare beauty is enormous like rare beauty could collab with anyone like they yeah. are the most buzzy I also beauty just, brand. I don't think Nicola and Brooklyn are that I'm, exciting like no. at all now I will say 
after I watched the Selena Gomez documentary, I am not her biggest fan. Really? So I'm probably coming at this with a degree of cynicism, but basically I just wanted to say out loud, I'm not buying it. There's something fishy going on here and I will be keeping my eyes on it. Matching tattoos are a commitment. I do have a matching tattoo with my best friend. We both have YOLO tattooed on our big toes. I do love that. Mm. I'm bringing YOLO back in 2023, just saying. Please make it relevant again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, finally. Uh, Gwen Stefani. Gwen, Gwen, Gwen. Gwen, The development and the trajectory of Gwen Stefani has been very upsetting to me. Mm. Because, you know, no doubt were like absolutely enormous when I was about 13. Mm. And Gwen Stefani to me was the coolest Coolest and most beautiful woman in the entire world. Like I was obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. And things have just taken a really sour turn of late. And I think like I was, I was constantly with a backpack full of no doubt CDs with my disc man. I was just bed into no doubt all the time. Um, So yeah. Gwen has kind of come under fire after an interview with Allure magazine, uh, which was released last Tuesday. So she's Irish and Italian descent, and she's been promoting a new beauty brand when she said to an Asian American interviewer, my God, I'm Japanese and I didn't know it. Um, so she was describing the influence of Japanese culture on her childhood um, because her father worked for Yamaha and traveled between California and Japan. So she was exposed to it. And it's something we've seen continuously throughout her solo career is this influence of, you know, Japanese culture, color, etc. That, that that plays within her music videos and within her music and with her whole kind of brand. Yeah, well, I mean, I think like when she had her first solo album come out, which I have to say I loved, she had this whole shtick where she had these four girls mm. like follow her around all, all the time. The time. Um, and so, they were Harajuku girls. Harajuku is like a really cool area of Tokyo. And she basically, they were with her everywhere. And they, she, they were, they, this is not their real names, but she called them Love, Angel, Music and Baby. The name of her album was Love, Angel, Music mm. and Baby. And I have to say, at the time, I did not question it. No, it was a good shtick at the time. But Yeah, like we, I mean, it was 20 years ago and like we've come on a long way. But in recent years, people have been kind of like, hey, maybe that wasn't so cool for her to use these Japanese girls as accessories. Yeah, and I think the interview, um said wrote in the piece which I think is because you kind of you're looking at it and you're like feeling uncomfortable and you're like oh that's not right but she articulated really really well and she said I am not Japanese I'm an Asian woman living in America which comes with which comes sobering realities during a time of heightened Asian America and Pacific Islander hate I envy anyone who can claim to be part of this vibrant creative community but avoid the part of the narrative that can be painful or scary yeah and that is a case of like when you see someone appropriating certain the best parts of culture and ignoring the struggles yeah it is jarring and very yeah. uncomfortable and difficult. and that's that's what it comes down to like I think people really struggle with the the concept of cultural appropriation because mm. I think sometimes it can be and obviously I, I'm speaking as a white woman and I'm sure other people would have much more nuanced and thoughtful perspectives on it. But I think sometimes people look at it and they're like, oh, so what? I can't wear like, I don't know, I can't wear. Why can I not think of a single good example? <laughs> well, a lot of the time it's like down to like hair or different things like that or yeah. like certain style features. So like why white people shouldn't wear dreadlocks or why, you know, we shouldn't have cornrows in our yeah. hair. Yeah, but the thing is, but even that is like, that's legitimate. Yeah. But, but I mean, sometimes people are like, okay, I'll give you an example. So 
during um the the big surge of the Black Lives Matter movement during the pandemic, um, I uh, featured a lot of black owned Irish businesses mm-hmm. on my Instagram, and one of them is owned by this woman who makes beautiful clothing. Um out of African prints yeah and she sent me something as a gift and it's beautiful and I love it and my husband was like can you wear that and I was like what and he was like is that not like appropriate appropriation if you wear that and I was like well no and and I think this is where we have the problem because if I buy an African something made out of an African print from an African person yeah who is who you know who is happy to sell it to me and it's a celebration of the beauty of this African print that's not cultural appropriation. But if I, as a white person, decide to, let's say, wear dreadlocks, um, that is a, is a murkier area because people have been oppressed, oppressed like, on yeah. the basis of having their dreadlocks and can't just kind of pick it up and put it down. Yeah. And, and then when you get into things like, you know, say Rachel Dolezal saying that she's a, a black person when she's a white her. person, yeah. like, you, you know, we're not a million miles away from that with Gwen Stefani. It's like, no, you, you know, you can't pick up a culture and take it on without at least acknowledging the fact that you know people have suffered for their culture and that there there are challenges that you as a white person can't possibly understand or have lived with um and it's about a sensitivity to the depth and richness of people's culture and the history and where it came from and the struggles and all that kind of I think the general rule is like you cannot benefit from the better parts of culture without acknowledging that very rich and deep and meaningful culture and the role that white people have played in the oppression of that culture throughout the ages yeah you said it way better than me it took me like 10 minutes and I didn't even make sense there we go now look pop culture got deep (laughs) anyway Gwen Stefani please just take a moment take a step back just please if you could just maybe stop actually just for a little while I think it would be for the best yeah just really look at your surroundings and be like you as this blonde haired probably blue eyed pretty white lady just look around you and maybe don't say things like that maybe just don't say oh my god I'm Japanese or just go back to singing no doubt songs that bring the band be, back together that would be ideal um so yeah yeah much to think about there Cassie Delaney of Tall Tales Podcast thank you so much thank for you. your wonderful contribution thank you Louise <laughs> Now it is just about time for me to go, but thank you so much for being with me this week. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. I hope I was able to keep you company. Um, If you're going through it, I hope you're not feeling super alone. I think there's a lot of people going through it at the moment. I hope you are taking care of yourself as you would a loved one uh, if you are going through it and being super kind and gracious to yourself. I do have some recommendations before I go. I took Sam um, to go and see Matilda, the new version of Matilda. Matilda the Musical, it's called. Hello, Louise. You can use words. <laughs> Matilda the Musical, which is so much fun. I massively enjoyed it. Sam massively enjoyed it. He's sexy. He absolutely loved it. Um, I would watch it on my own, even if I didn't have a kid. It's just it's just great. Like really good escapism. Visually, it's super. The performances are great. Matilda herself is an actress from Dublin, um, which is amazing. She's brilliant in it. And yeah, just all around like five stars. Um, I also watched The Banshees of Inisherin this week, which to be honest, I would never have watched if Gordon hadn't wanted to watch it. And um, it's not really 
Martin McDonough has never really been, you know, he, I, I can see that he's a great talent, just not really my thing. Um, but I really, did I enjoy it? <laughs> it's a very good film. It's quite like, it's a, it's a dark comedy. Um, and the darkness in it is a, was a bit much for me at times. But I still actually did really enjoy it. I enjoyed being in Ireland. The costumes are spectacular. The performances are great. Barry Keoghan in particular is brilliant in this film like he is so good such a talent and you just love to see him doing so well um so yeah I would recommend it actually I think it's worth watching it's not like a, st a struggle to watch or anything and um, it's just you'll know yourself when you're watching it um fingers is all I'll say um and then I just just on the off chance that you are not watching the Real Housewives of Miami I'm just telling you you should get on it so Miami is an unusual franchise in that it existed and then it went away for years and then it came back with a lot of the same people and some new people. Um, so I would say you don't have to go back and watch the first however many series. I think there were two or three series, to be honest, I can't remember. But the series that were years ago, you don't need to watch them to enjoy the most recent episodes. So currently it's the second series of the new iteration of The Real Houses in Miami. And oh my God, are they delivering? It is so good. I mean, first of all, it's Miami. So it's like gorgeous. They're really colorful dressers, really interesting people. Like one of the women is the partner of Martina Navratilova. Navratilova, Louise, speak, speak. Um, and they're just interesting people. But there is a divorce happening in the current series where the man is acting like the world's biggest scumbag and while it's you know it feels bad to say it's good to watch it is good to watch like it is um it gets a really juicy drama so yeah if you want something like that then definitely the real house is miami i watch on hey you um it's it's very good and it, you know if you're kind of someone who's looking for a new series of housewives to watch it's only last season and this season so like it's not a huge undertaking so there you go those are my recommendations and um, it is time for me to go thank you so much to Acast for having me on the network thank you also to my beautiful contributors who I would be nothing without I hope you have a good week if you can't have a good week just put one foot in front of the other and I will talk to you next Friday Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.